You are listening to the Manos Accelerator podcast in partnership with Google Launchpad. We interview rockstar entrepreneurs who share their exact formulas for success in customer acquisition, growth hacking, fundraising, or scaling a company. And I'm your host, Juan Felipe Campos. Manos Nation, there is no better way for you to support the production of this podcast than by giving us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Let's help each other out. I will send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup if you review the podcast on iTunes and then tag us on a social media post. Okay, it's very easy. So step one, support us by rating this podcast five stars on iTunes. Step two, tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. And step three, I will send you a list of 100 grants for your startup. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manos Accelerator podcast. We have a very special guest today. I am joined by VC and investor Lucy Wong. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Juan, for the introduction and getting me on the show. <laughs> Lucy, it's great to have you here. There's a lot of first-time founders and founders that are racing venture capital for the first time, and you certainly know something about racing venture capital that most founders don't. Can you tell me a little bit about your story about how you learned about venture capital and then also maybe a unique angle or something that you want to unpack for the audience in this episode. Yeah, of course. So I've been in venture for about five years. Um, so I started working with Greycroft Partners, which is a very large generalist early stage fund. Um, I was the first technical investor that they brought on board and I helped the fund make a few investments in emerging technologies and that included machine learning AI, um, cybersecurity, um, autonomous vehicles, um, a lot of sort of new technologies that are emerging but not not quite um, well commercialized and were well understood. Um, so I was there for about two and a half year uh, for two years, and um, and then made the switch to join a much smaller fund that exclusively focused on uh, emerging technologies. So the fund is called Eleven Two Capital. Uh, the name kind of embodies the mission itself. Eleven point two kilometers per second is the escape velocity from Earth. Um, so the idea was to really invest in breakthrough technologies across software, hardware, and life science. Um, so I was there for about two years again, um, and most recently actually decided to um, to start my own thing. Um, but while I was there, I was in charge of um, leading a lot of our investments in the software and hardware space, uh, particularly anything that touches on computational um, technologies and innovations. Um, so the focus of the fund was also early stage, um, even earlier than Greycroft. Uh, most of the time, we would be either a first check investor or um, invest alongside other investors um, at a Series C or Series A round. It, that's that's amazing, Lucy. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I think to direct this conversation in a way that's very relevant for a lot of international founders, which is most of our audience. Uh, so it's a lot of Latino founders, and they're doing amazing things in Latin America, right? They've had exits, or they've done just really, really amazing things. But the problems that we're fixing in Latin America, or even Latinos in the US, are typically different than the problems that we're solving in Silicon Valley. And so there's a disconnect between the problem that we solve in Latin America, which is, oh, I'll do like the Uber for XYZ. And it's a very real problem in my country of Chile. And where venture capital actually wants to invest a lot of the funds right now, which is in AI and machine learning and more of the stuff that you're probably interested in and that your background has been in. Can you kind of speak a little bit to 
how a founder right now could best navigate that? Is it about just having like, if you have the Uber of XYZ or you have the marketplace of XYZ, is it just a matter of adding AI and machine learning to attract Silicon Valley investors? Or is it, or are they probably going to have a really hard time and actually getting the attention of an investor with your kind of background that is looking for more of the deep tech and emerging technologies? Right. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a really interesting question. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is why I decided to start something on my own as well, which is how do we actually build convictions as investors? And what are the different criteria that really matters at the end of the day that lead us to say yes to an investment? Um, so I think if you look broadly across the VC ecosystem, every um, you know the process seems very similar, but I think every investor actually has their own heuristics that they depend on to get them comfortable with the investment. And I think you mentioned something where right the Latin American founders are trying to solve different problems from the ones that people are familiar with, maybe in the U.S. Um, so that's an area where if it's a market-driven sort of investor um, or someone that you know really invests based on what they know and what they're comfortable with, then that will become something that's difficult for an investor to say yes to because they don't understand the market and maybe they're not familiar with the problem that's being solved. Um, and you know there are other investors that really focus on the founders. If there is track record for the founder, if it's a founder that they know, that they're familiar with, that they've worked with before, that's something that can help them gain sort of the comfort to actually make an investment and trust you know, the founders to do the right thing. So when it comes to this, again, it's sort of a different way of building up that conviction. And, um, and for me, I think what's the most important is to not look at um, any of these things that really rely on sort of um, you know, just a close set of things that we're familiar with. What I look for is innovation in the technology itself. So this is something that can be really objectively evaluated and understood and regardless of where you're starting the company, regardless of who you are as a founder, the technology itself can actually be understood in a very objective and scientific way. And from there, we can build conviction that you know this is a technology with a lot of potential, with um, a lot of capabilities to actually solve problems in the world. And from here, you can sort of build a different type of conviction that allows you to invest in companies that you know other investors might not be able to get comfortable with. Okay, understood. And I happen to know this about Sutter Hill. Uh, for example, something that they care about is that it, there's almost no risk on market adoption, but that, if anything, that all of the risk is on whether or not the technology is actually, a, like if the team can actually pull off the technology. So they, they'd rather say, this is very difficult to pull off, but if we pull it off, there's absolutely no problem um, in, in making sure that the market adopts it. So it's with like self-driving technology, um, and different advancements like that. So it, is that kind of also your opinion that as long as the technology is the challenge, then you're happy to actually look at an investment as opposed to market adoption uh, being the issue? I, I think, um, yes, uh, it's very similar. I think the, the way that I think matters when it comes to making an investment um, that work for me is first to understand it from the technology. So I think a lot of times for new technologies, the markets aren't well defined. So it's a little bit of a chicken egg problem to say that, hey, there is a big market and you can use the market as a proof point to say that this technology right. has big potential. So a lot of times, um, I think a lot of good technologies and founders and companies 
companies get passed over because these technologies are great, but the market proof isn't quite there yet. And most investors that don't fundamentally, you know, sort of dig into the technology and understand the technology have a hard time making an investment because they might be market conviction based investors. They want to see that there is a big market and there is a market potential. So the way I kind of actually make investment is um, sort of turning that model on its, on its head. Um, so we look at the technology, we understand the technology, and that means not just sort of knowing exactly how the technology works and the you know precise sort of details of what the technology is, but it's really understanding the technology from the perspective of what are the limitations of it, what's the parameter that governs how it works, and what are the actual capabilities of this technology. And from here, you can actually build sort of a vision of what potential markets there could even be. And that type of understanding can't really come from anywhere else besides sort of a deep understanding of the impact of that technology. So so in order to make an investment, it's less about seeing the market already, but more about connecting the dot of the technology itself to know where the market could be in the future. And um, and that means that you know when when it's an investor that's building the conviction from the technology, you're able to invest actually much earlier. And you're able to sort of invest when the founder might be an unproven founder, who might be a first-time founder or a researcher, or on the other hand, the market might not be even you know existing in today's world yet. But um, but the investor will be able to see at least clues that there is something here, something really exciting that could turn into you know make a whole new world in the future. Got it. Okay. And Lucy, some of the comments that you made in this answer and also in the last one, I think there's something worth mentioning here. And that is that sometimes we make the mistake as founders or even accelerators of just talking about VCs as just like this generic, like, oh, VCs want this and VCs want that. And a lot of what you're saying is, um, is very directed to like your thesis and the way, and even your background. You're like, well, how I, how I like to do things and how I view an investment. And that really, uh, I just really want to unpackage this for the listeners that it's, you're not talking about VCs, I'm doing air quotes here, as just this generic group. There's a multitude of thesis and multiples of investment types. And even within a firm, there's different personalities and different stakeholders and different uh, levels of authority that a stakeholder might have within a firm. So I, I love hearing that you characterize it as well, what I look for in, in my investment thesis and the way that I've done things in the past. Before we continue with the episode, you should know about this. We recently partnered with Brex, the smart credit card for founders to finance and boost their startups. Everything about Brex is made for startup and e-commerce founders just like you. The card scales with you and gives you up to 20 times higher credit limits than any competing card. And for listeners of this podcast, benefit from our partnership and get $5,000 in AWS credits plus absolutely no card fees for life by activating your account through our partnership link. It's brex.com slash manos. Brex, B-R-E-X dot com slash manos, M-A-N-O-S, to get all of your fees waived for life and $5,000 in AWS credits. Now on to the episode. I would love to ask you also for your opinion on how you, well, first of all, if, if you agree that that's the case, A, and then B, 
what kind of advice you would have for an international founder that looks to Silicon Valley for venture capital. And on the one hand, they understand that every single person is different, but on the other, they do kind of want to ride these trends of, okay, how do I actually raise venture capital? What's the most practical way for me to come from Argentina or from Brazil, go to Silicon Valley, what's the advice? What's the move? Do I move there for three months, for six months? Do I get clients and then raise venture capital? Uh, so yeah, do you agree that that is the case that everyone is different? But also what advice do you have for someone that's just practically trying to raise venture capital for their startup in Latin America? Yeah, for sure. I think there's broad similarities, but at the end of the day, everyone makes decisions differently. So every VC is different. And that goes down to even the partner that is making the investment within a firm. Like I think you alluded to this before as well, that even within a fund, there might be people that think differently and they would actually make decisions quite differently. Um, so really finding the right person that that you feel like can sort of really connect with you on the same level that you know of where you're coming from with the company it's really important so if if it's an investor that's you know looking for repeat founders and really get comfortable with the founders themselves and you're a first time founder without a lot of track record it's probably much harder to actually get an investment from that you know from that investor whereas um, if you're going for uh, investors that's you know, have a mandate to say that they're supporting first-time founders and you know emerging sort of um, startups. Then um, you know that could be a better place to really actually get started. So I think a lot of different funds have a lot of different theses and hypotheses, and it's really important to really do your research in terms of what these funds and these investors are looking for, uh, what type of investments they've made in the past. Um, it's important to look at whether or not you know it's a sector that they're comfortable with and and on top of if it's a sector that they're comfortable with is this something that they're looking for right now uh, or is this something that they made investments in the past and are you know not going to make any more investments in going forward um, it, it's really important to sort of understand how the investors think and see how that um, come together and how that aligns with um, with the startup startup that you're you're working on. Um, so so looking for any sort of publications these investors have. You know, Twitter is something that every investor uses, even though I don't. Um, but um, it's a good place to sort of get a feel of you know what these investors are like. How how do they think? You know, what are they comfortable with? Where do they build convictions from? Um, and and then sort of start start from there. Okay, so the best place for us to start is by doing research on the individuals and in the so maybe I guess if we were to put this on like a prescriptive um, you know sequence of, of steps, it would be start by doing research on the firms that already have a thesis for your kind of startup, your geographical you know interest, your technology, um, your yeah, like all the different categories that you might fit in, uh, whether you're a marketplace or okay. So start there, and then that's already going to narrow it down from every investor on earth to the investors that already would be looking for you. And then it sounds like what you're saying is also try to find the individuals through Twitter to find are there any like-minded people because it's much better to be hyper relevant than to just spam a lot of investors and just try to play the numbers game that way. Uh, in terms of physically having a, a presence or moving to the US or incorporating, this is all like still very blurry to a lot of founders internationally. Do you have any advice for them there? It's like you're already talking to the investor of your dreams. 
what's the next step? Do you incorporate as a Delaware C Corp? Do you move to California? What do you do next? Yeah, I think it's um, it's common to start uh, to incorporate in the U.S. It's not a necessity, but it does make things much easier. And I think when it comes to fundraising, it's all about finding the path of least resistance. So you kind of want to make it as easy and accessible as possible. So um, you know, starting a C corp not not a mandate, but very helpful uh, in the U.S. And moving to the U.S. for a few months to fundraise also very probably. More helpful than not, um, it's important to create momentum and to really follow up and be, you know, be available when you need to be. And that's very difficult to do when you're really far away. Uh, so if you're looking to raise uh, money in the U.S., uh, it's um, it, it's probably more helpful than not to actually be present for a few months and and um, and be able to really focus on the process. Okay. Understood. Well, there you have it, Manos Nation. Lucy Wong has shared lots of golden nuggets for you to raise venture capital, whether you're in Latin America or already in the US. You have to keep in mind that you have to be hyper-relevant to the firm and to the individual, and you have to understand if they're looking for a highly technically advanced um, startup that has a, a highly technical component that you're delivering on that, and that it obviously uh, fits the thesis, like we said, and that fits the individual. Okay, Manos Nation, do not forget my offer to help each other out. I'll send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup. All you have to do is leave a five-star rating on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. Again, leave a five-star review on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on social media to receive a list of 100 grants to help you fund your startup. See you on the next one. Lucy, as you continue to grow and take your career forward, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I don't have a big social presence, but you know, I've, everyone's invited to email me. I have my email public on LinkedIn, and feel free to connect with me on there as well. Excellent. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Thank you. Yeah.